Did you just say an inappropriate word? Hello. Wow. <laughs> Why yeah. did that did that slip through? I I don't know. Probably it's it might it literally might the podcast might start with ass, <laughs> which would be really funny. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I'll have to Especially like clip the, that out and who's make like it's like about? a dubstep song or something. <laughs> Maybe I can send it over to Niels and Niels can make it into he could like incorporate it into his DJing. That'd be really there fun. You go. Mike Pinoza just swearing. Well, it's the Pinoza remix. Who knew Mike was on Instagram, by the way? I didn't know Mike was on Instagram. I've been on Instagram since 2005, bro. Are you on, really? uh, what's, were you yeah. on threads yet? You I, was on Instagram. Instagram. I was on Instagram when you, before you had your first phone. Wow. What was your first <laughs> phone like, Mike? Was it the big one? No, I didn't have a bag phone. No, no, my first phone was was a, I didn't that, get one until they were they had the small uh, Nokia Ericsson. <laughs> I had a Nokia. That was my first phone. You're playing Snake on that on that bad boy. Hey, you don't hate on Snake, man. Snake, had the, the, the yeah. snake is the top in. ten game of all time. Yeah. I had a little plug in on the top, you know, that for to take a picture because they didn't have cameras in the phones yeah. then. I remember how reliable my phone was. I mean, just I love that thing, man. Yeah, my dad had his bag phone till. About 2013. Is that right? Yeah. I'm telling you, man. Snake is Snake is a top ten game of all time. Don't even hate on it. Well, <laughs> it was it was pretty solid. Got me in a lot of trouble at work during those days too. Yeah. <clears throat> so, well, it got me in a lot of trouble in middle school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little younger. <laughs> yeah. So as long as we're talking about voting today, I'd like for people online to vote about whether they're tired of seeing me after the next two days. <laughs> Mike, I don't think you want. I don't think you want to. I don't think you want to see those results, Mike. To be honest with you. Yeah, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't go. It wouldn't look good for me. I think that you are becoming quickly the most popular face on streams, Mike. I don't know about popular, most common. You're like you're like the. But I've like said I'm not a podcast yeah. slut. You're like it the, reminds you're me. Like some fire today. It reminds me of like I watched wrestling in the in the 90s, and there was one week in particular where like Rick Rude was on both Monday Night Raw and WCW at the same time. <laughs> you know, so it was like seven o'clock, and he's on both shows. That was Mike yesterday. Well, listen, yeah. you're comparing me to someone from WWE. I'm all in. Never, yeah, you I got the same expect- physique. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I never expected a W. Was it WWE then or was it WWF then? It was F. It was F back yeah. then. Yeah, it was. So F. I was not expecting to have a WWF reference today. That's oh, <laughs> the rest. Those those wrestling days were great, man. You want to talk about some drama? Pool needs some WWF in its life. Trust me, it needs some. Listen, you don't want to know. And... You don't want to know who the wrestlers were when I was growing up. All right. Flair, <laughs> maybe. Dick the Bruiser Mike. and Mad Dog Vachon and Andre the Giant. Did and they have TV back then, Mike? They did. Oh, it was that, black and white. Black and white. Yeah. Black and white. But they were still Four channels. Each other out of rings. <laughs> Look, man, I I grew up like I well, it was before my time, but my favorite shows as a kid and even still now were I Love Lucy was number one, and uh, <laughs> I think number two was Three's Company. That wasn't in black and white, but I still love Three's Company. So, wow. Yeah. That's that's pretty. I bad. love Lucy. That's I, coming, lo- I, I love, that's I, coming, love Lucy, I, I go with I love Lucy, yeah, but you come yeah. clean on Three's Company is kind of a bold move, buddy. Oh, Three's Company was the <laughs> best, man. I, I like that uh, that physical comedy. You know, I do, man. And they were they were epic, man. So <laughs> both of them. 
Did you like Don Knotts better or Norman Fell? Uh Don Knotts for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don Knotts. But I was I was like I remember one of my favorite movies as a kid was The Shakiest Gun in the West. I don't know if you remember that, Mike. Oh, that's I mean, yeah. I grew, up, grew up with the Shakiest Gun. Great, Gun in great the West. movie. Great movie. Yeah. I'm better than enough. better than Incredible Mr. Limpet. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Look at Nate. Nate looks like someone just Nate, stole Nate's his lost dog. Him. <laughs> yeah. I, this, this I mean, I, turn. I knew I was young, but I didn't realize I was this young. No, I'm an old. Not. I'm like Chua. Like Chua said the other day, I'm, a, I'm an old soul. Old know? soul. So yeah, for sure. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. How, where, where do we go from this? Do we even do we even talk pool? Roller derby, just... man. Roller yeah. derby. You got to go. I'll tell you what. Roller derby. I'm telling you what. When I was a kid, roller oh. derby was the nuts. Roller derby like was them, them odd, girls man. on roller derby. I don't know. But yeah. I've seen some roller derby locally. That got some. Tony Weston, the original. I'll tell you what. There's bomber a... roller derby queen. You have to look her up. Joni West. There there's there's some roller derby women that could probably pick you up and uh, just break you in half, Mike. Both of, both of us, Mike. You talk about both of us. One in each hand. <laughs> Mike said with the martini in his hand. Yeah, yeah. Grab me, baby. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. For something like that, you probably need an old fashioned. That just, it just seems, <sighs> yeah. that's, that's a proper pairing like, for getting broken. It really does half. seem like a natural segue into talking about the BCA Hall of Fame. I don't know how we got here, boys. I love Lucy, I think was the gateway. Uh, yeah. 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 We've had plenty of worse topics. Than, than I love Lucy. Trust me. No. Plenty of work. Probably a little, yeah. baby. Yeah, that probably might, that might not even, you know, uh, take top five. <laughs> Especially yeah. when you got Telfer on, man. I'm telling you, you get that clown around and you just, uh, man, things go weird fast. Yeah, they do. Uh, uh, where, where is Jimmy? Bring him on. I'm I don't just, know where he is. I miss busting his balls. <sighs> he misses being busted. Yeah. Gets him all make, goofy. We got to make time. All right. Let's uh, let's transition into uh, we are going to be talking about the BCA Hall of Fame today. All three of us have a vote. Of course, Mike is uh, Mike is the founder and the the absolute champion of bringing Mike <laughs> and I, Molina Mike on to this uh, silliness. But uh, Mike, I guess bring us up to speed well, with where we are at. <laughs> well, I, I think one of the interesting things about us three getting together is that yesterday there was a lot. You know, everybody had shows yesterday about Niels getting into the Hall of Fame. And there was discussion about, you know, who else was on the ballot a little bit, and 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 how great it is for being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but I think it's 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 an interesting topic to talk about in terms of what the Hall of Fame is, why it's important, how you know how it's voted on, how you get on the ballot, things like that. Because there's always questions when we have the Hall of Fame discussions. You know, people are saying, you know, why isn't so and so in the Hall of Fame or how do you get into the Hall of Fame and what are the credentials and things like that? So, um, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity to just kind of educate little people a little bit on, on how it all works, how it all comes together. And, I mean, you know, just for a little history lesson, you know, the Hall of Fame in the old days, the Hall of Fame really didn't start until the late 60s. The Billiard Congress of America decided it needed a Hall of Fame. Um, and and went ahead and 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 started one and back then the board of directors essentially sat in a room and decided who was going to get into the hall of fame so it'd be six industry guys sitting in a room and they'd say well it's our first hall of fame we got to put in moscone and greenleaf and you know all these legends who had you know were, were either long dead or had been their careers had been over makes sense 
later on, it turned into a little more of they allowed the voting members of the association to have a vote. And where that went sideways was to be a voting member, you had to be a voting member of the association to exhibit in the trade show. So as the trade show grew and they had all these exhibitors who were now into in spas and in fireplaces and outdoor furniture, they all Welcome had to the vote. world. They all had a vote in the Hall of Fame. And a lot of them didn't vote because they didn't know, you know, a pool player from anybody else on the street. Um, but it, what it also did was it kind of turned it into a little more of a popularity contest, who the who the players were that these voters used to see on the trade show floor who was endorsed by one company or another it had very little to do it so at that point uh when we organized the united states billiard media association we petitioned the bca to let us take which is the media association is a group of people like yourselves and me and and you Don't know, include I, me in that mix. I was I, I barely got in this year. Well, you know, it's it's, it's it's people who cover the sport it's, and have a good um, idea and some objectivity of who the players are and what well, constitutes a great player credential. Well, the criteria got watered down a little bit this year, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but but that was still better than having people who exhibit at the trade show vote on Hall of right. Fame, right? So we established some. We got the BCA to allow the media group, which was about 30 people, to be the essential caretakers of the Hall of Fame. And additionally, uh, living Hall of Famers get a vote. Once the ballot is put together, the, okay. the USBMA kind of structures the ballot that decides who might be in a meritorious service, who might be in for veteran players, things like that. Then when the, the ballot gets sent out, living Hall of Famers also get a vote. And then there's a group of people that we've always referred to as friends of the game who might be promoters or historians or someone who wouldn't be considered media, but aren't really, you know, uh, aren't hall of famers either. So there's, there's people like that. So all, all together, there's about 60 voters, right? And we send out the ballot and the person. Robert's question. Yeah. So six, there's roughly 60 voters is about 30 from um, the, uh, the media association six from Friends of the Game, and then 24 Living Hall of Famers or, or thereabouts. So you're at about 60. Um, and then we send out the ballots. And it's strictly a matter of, in the greatest player category, the player who gets the most votes is elected. And and as we explained yesterday, you can vote, as a voter, you can vote for, if there's 10 people on the ballot and you think that all 10 deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, you can vote for all 10. And therefore, each of those players has one vote. Now, the next person votes for just one person, not the other nine. Now it's two to one, you know, that, and it right. goes kind of that way. So it's strictly in numbers. It's, it's similar to the Baseball Hall of Fame. When when baseball players on the ballot, uh, the ballot goes out to the writers, and there might be two dozen players on the ballot. And the writers can pick as many or as few as they want. Anybody who gets exceeds X percentage of votes gets into the Hall of Fame. So they can have a year where no one gets into the Hall of Fame if no one exceeds 70% of the, the vote. The threshold, right? yeah. Right. So in the BCA Hall of Fame, the lead, we want to put someone in, a great player in every year. Uh, so the, the, the biggest vote getter gets in, even if they were only at, say, 55%, you know, which rarely, if ever, happens. But um, 
So that's kind of structure as far as meritorious service and veteran players, players who, you know, have either been deceased for a million years or who were on the ballot until they were 60 and didn't get elected and they kind of drop off the ballot. Um, there's a committee that reviews those each year and makes recommendations to the whole board as to whether these people should be put forth for this, you know, a vote for election. Um, so uh, that's, that's how that works. And, yeah. and we try to do it every other year, one year meritorious service, one year veteran players. So this year, the committee looked at veteran players, players who had not been voted in in the past or who've been deceased for 30, you know, 50, 60 years, and didn't really come across anybody that, that they felt was deserving. Uh, so that's why there was only a greatest player category this year. And Niels was the biggest vote getter. Does that all make sense? It does. Yeah. Hopefully we don't get, hopefully we don't get kicked out if by ruffling feathers. And if I say we, I mean me. You know? <laughs> no, there's no ruffling feathers. I mean, you know, it, you, you read about it every year with baseball writers. I mean, they'll, they'll write articles about who they're voting for and who they're not voting for and why. And they're going to say, listen, this guy was a cheater. I'll never vote for him. What's they're okay. Say, Give me the steroid era opinion then. I'm sorry. Give me the steroid era op opinion. My personal opinion is steroid yeah. era. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't like guys who has blew up six sizes in two years and they hit 500 home runs. It doesn't do anything for me. Uh, so there's, Barry Bonds, you know, I hate that argument. Like Barry Bonds is a hall of famer before steroids and like, he, well, then why did he use steroids? You know, so then at that point he cheated. So well, then at that Roger. point, if you're talking about integrity of the game and you spoke yesterday, Nate, about there's people you weigh in there and they're yeah. how good they are as a person. All right. So, Someone who cheated at the game to get better than his opponents, does that? Does he still stay on your list? I don't care if he was a Hall of Famer before that or not. Yeah, well, I mean, Barry Bonds was yeah. a Hall of Famer absolutely before uh, before he even started steroids. Uh, with that being I'm said. I'm not sure. I'd have, to, I'd have to try to see oh, where he was in his career. Oh, when yeah. he was, it, when he started. it wasn't close. It wasn't and close. That, it was, yeah. He had two Hall of Fame careers. That yeah, summer of Sammy time. and Mark had me watching, you know, National League baseball. It was great, know, compelling and, stuff, but it was two cheaters. Well, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire are borderline Hall of Fame. Well, they're, they shouldn't say borderline Hall of Famers. They're, they're Hall of Famers with, I mean, if you just remove steroids completely, they were Hall of Fame careers. Uh, but neither of Sammy them Sosa? were Hall of uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Say, Mark McGuire, maybe. Sammy Sosa, yeah. I'm on defense. Uh, well, okay, Sammy Sosa's borderline, we'll say. Um, but, uh, yeah, and neither one of them were Hall of Famers before steroids. Very yeah, still a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, but I, anyways, we don't want to get too far into yeah. baseball because yeah. we'll be here yeah. the rest of the day. Yeah, that's true. And we've um, already got a Pete Rose comment. I knew that was coming. <laughs> well, yeah. well, Pete Rose might be the greatest baseball player ever. You could make an argument. He's the greatest. He sure should be in the Hall of Fame. Of the greatest hitters ever. Hall that's for yeah, damn sure. Yeah. 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 Anyways. Plus, so, if you so if we start going down that list when it comes to integrity, it may not get a little sticky. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the background on the BCA Hall of Fame in terms of voting, who votes, how we get a player in, things like that. Uh, yeah. And you know, anybody has any questions regarding that, feel free to fire them in. That's what we're here for today. Yeah, absolutely. I will be monitoring the comments. I will get them in uh, if they're good enough questions. Uh, let's start on. I think I think a good place to naturally start, uh, Mike, and you're the newbie. So why don't we? Uh, well, Molina, Mike, you're the newbie. So why don't we start with you? This was your first time voting. Uh, how did you take into account the players on the ballot, uh, and how did you start kind of deciding whether or not a player was worthy? 
Well, it was a really big honor because I'm big on like tradition and titles and things like this. I feel like this like cements and solidifies careers and is super important to like just giving us respect and maybe not even on the outside, but just within the industry. You know what I mean? Of just, you know, guys need guys should be recognized like this. And I feel like it's it's an honor and privilege to be able to vote. So um the deadline kind of got away from me, but uh, thanks to Mike for <laughs> giving, me, giving, me, giving me a kick in the pants. Uh, when it comes to it, I when it come when it came to, I, I had a brief foundation of you know the qualifications in order to be on there. As far as how these names got there to my email, that I wasn't too sure about. Um, to be honest, some of the names I was surprised that they weren't Hall of Famers. So you know, from my own history and i'd imagine the average fan needs to you know know who's in there maybe who isn't in there you know uh by default so um i feel like it'd be good just like education of just letting people know you know what i mean and and um but i feel like that can you know that can be a slippery slope because then you can open up for a lot more conversations and criticism and, and things like that and that's perfectly fair you know uh to be had but um yeah i mean there was i forgot how many names were on there like Maybe like six ish, seven ish, somewhere on there, Mike. Is that is that right? Uh, there Three, were this four, there were... five, six, seven, eight, nine, eight. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, eight? eight. Yeah. So, oh, nine, nine, nine. I did yeah. this. Nine. Uh, nine. You yeah. know, some for me were no brainers on one end. Some for me were no brainers on the other end. If that makes you know sense to you guys, you know, some I didn't even give uh, any kind of thought or consideration to. Where others, like I. I uh, initially I thought it was only allowed to be one. Then I realized we can do more than one. And then it was like, okay, this is serious stuff because I want to really like. And then I start looking at at the accomplishments, right? And um, and how much you're gonna personally weight those. Um, I I'm of the opinion I felt like there should be more than one allowed. I, I can see the argument for the other side, but that's just how I feel. Um, and I voted for for more than one, but Niels was on that short list of people that I did vote for. So, well, there, you can have more than one. If, <sighs> if both players exceed 75% are, are named on 75% or more of the ballots. Um, so it just, that just, that's only happened once. And that was, I think it was 14 or 13, somewhere down there when uh, Johnny Archer and uh, Allison Fisher were on the ballot for the first time. And both of them just crushed everyone's ballots. Uh, so, uh, that's the only time that's ever happened, but you can have two voted in the same year. Well, I mean, I watched the show yesterday and, you know, you guys made light of the fact that next year, along with Shane, who's a first ballot, no brainer will for sure get in. There's other names like Carlo and Guy Young Kim who are going to be on there, who are going to have pretty, pretty serious and weighted arguments in, in their own right. If you take no away doubt. like the, the, the Shane effect and, you know, he's kind of in a class of his own and I get it, but you know, that's going to make for a pretty interesting um, uh, vote. And that's something like for me that I'm really going to be looking forward to seeing how it shakes out, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, I, I think we should give that a, a proper discussion later on, maybe uh, when we preview next year. Um, I guess going going on, I wouldn't mind expanding. Uh, so so that I guess that we asked you what you're what you look for in, uh, as far as voting this being your first year. Um, I don't know if I guess I said that earlier. This was your first year voting in the Hall of Fame. Uh, this was my second year voting in the Hall of Fame. Um, and I, 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 kind of the way that I look at my votes, um, 
I spoke with Mike quite a bit last year, uh, Mike Pinozo last year, and uh, I kind of got a, a gauge for how I felt the Hall of Fame had went for the last 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, and Mike, you, you said this quite often, that this is one of the hardest, if not maybe the hardest Hall of Fame to get into of, of any sport out there for any of the Hall of Fames. Uh, you, you stand behind that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just strictly a matter of numbers. I mean, you're looking at a sport that, you know, is over 100 years old in terms of, you know, serious competitive play. Um, there's 80 total people in the Hall of Fame and only about 60 of them are players. So, um, so yeah, that to me would indicate that... There's 60 NBA players that go in every year. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> team sports are a little bit different, obviously. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, um, but still, it, it, so it's... It, and, and I think that that's... One of the things I like most about the Billiard Hall of Fame is that, um, you know, you can be a great player and not get in. And and there should be a, a differentiation between a great player and, um, you know, one of the greatest players ever. There should, you know, to me, there I like that there's a distinction and I like that not everybody who won a tournament gets in because um, it makes it that much more special. And I think it, it, it increases the credibility of the hall of fame to people outside the industry who would look at our hall of fame and, and, you know, take a deeper look into it and see that they, they just didn't put everybody in who everybody liked. Yeah. So, uh, when I started looking at the hall of fame last year and who I was going to vote for, uh, for full disclosure, last year I voted for, uh, two players this year i voted for one and we'll talk about who that is later on uh, i wanted to live up to the honor that i felt the hall of fame has been historically which is very difficult to get into and you must be uh very much worthy right uh, you it shouldn't be a question as to whether or not you're you're worthy of being in there when you look at the people that are in there uh the people who have gotten inducted in the last few years historically there's there's been very I don't think you can look there and say like, this person is questionable, right? I mean, everybody that's in there is a lock to be in there. So when I look at the ballot, I look at who do I think is an absolute lock to get in there. Uh, and when I looked at the ballot and I decided who was going to get in, that's the criteria that I looked at. So uh, generally speaking, when I'm, when I'm looking at this, I want to see uh, three absolute dead major titles, meaning U S opens uh, world championships, um, the biggest events, China Open, stuff like that, where I look at, I, I see at least two to three of those, and then a nice career outside of that. And that is kind of how I look at the the criteria for who I start to look at. So, uh, Mike, you've been voting for a don't, while. Don't, don't, how don't, do you, yeah, how a do you, while, <laughs> long, yeah, a while, long while. <laughs> how, do, how do you look at your criteria when, you, when you're looking at these ballots? Uh, not too dissimilar from the way you just described it. I've got like, you know, I, I, I refer to me yesterday as these silos. You know, I've got my A list, my A, you know, category, and that's that's world titles, U.S. Opens, you know, really big international open has to be an open tournament, um, and then my B, you know, category is. Uh, the big, you know, invitational type events that are great titles to have, but, you know, World Pool Masters, World Cup of Pool, Moscone Cup Appearances, things like that, right? And and uh, regular tour titles, 
that had really strong fields, right? And then my C category is, you know, the 6 million regional titles and bar table tournaments that everybody's won that had, you know, 10 good players and 45 locals, you know, that type of thing. And to me, you know, I look at a lot of players and I say, you know what, they really have that B category filled up, but they're a little shy on the A category. Okay. The world titles, the U.S. Open State, that type of thing. And to me, that's what separates the great players from the Hall of Famers. You, you have to have that. You have to be strong in that A column for me to be in. I don't care how many times you have in the B column. It's about major wins. It's about playing big tournaments, open fields against the best players in the world, and you won three of them or five of them or seven of them or whatever they are. That you need to have that, right? And there's a lot of players that, to me, fall short of that. Now, the tricky thing there is that there are players from different eras where that, you know, hierarchy was a little bit different. You know, when you look at someone like a Corey Duell, who's on this year's ballot, has been in the ballot for a number of years, and is it gets a fair amount of votes, but hasn't, you know, hasn't cracked that list. Um, to me, you know, that that he's really big in that B side, right? But um, he was playing in an era where there really weren't that many A tournaments. You know, there was one world championship, one U.S. Open, and not a lot in between. And so how many opportunities did he have to crack that A category? Nowadays, you've got, you know, anybody, you know the A category to me would include, you know, all of the big matchroom and predator events, right? I mean, they're 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 big events with all the best players in the world. So there's a lot of opportunities. It, the fields are a lot tougher, but so you know, so it's it's. Oh, would you would you include like the Predator Arizona Open to the U.S. No, Open? that would be in the B category. But you've got your Predator. You've got the the you know the Predator Las, the Las Vegas, Vegas Open, the World Pinball, the World like a U.S. Ball. Open though. Yeah, yeah, that type of thing, right? I don't so, know if I can um, put it in the U.S. Open. U.S. Open's kind of in that World Championship realm to me well but i mean i still I think you're talking about major yeah. international opens where all the top players were there it was an open field and the competition yeah, I was gonna and, say that and I, you had to do some you know i'm not gonna fault clinic country for winning the 10 ball tournament <laughs> you know because no, i'm not saying that open. yeah you know or even the las vegas open every player played in the the world 10 ball played in the las vegas open it was a 128 plus field of the top players in the world you know, that's good enough for me. If you won I'll, that, I'll, you did pretty I'll good. Say, I'll, I'll say, there, I'll guarantee you there's more dead weight in the U.S. Open than there is in that Las Vegas Open. Uh, well, yeah, because you're talking 256. Well, so, you know, anytime well, sure. you've got a 256 sure. field, you're going to, but, but I'm talking about that well, front 128. On the back end, they're picking up players wherever they can for that, for the Predator event. I mean, they're asking everybody and their mother to go and, and hop on. They're still getting a large enough percentage of top players in some of those events to me to make it, you know, okay, I'll, you know, would I would I give it the same way as the U.S. Open and the World Championship? No, but I'm not sticking it in with the, the Arizona Open or or Big Dogs or something like that. Not That's not going to be the case, right? So you've, that's why I, I try to have these little things, and it's like it's okay, you know, if, if you're a great player, you had a bunch of these. If you're a Hall of Fame player, you had a, a, a fair number of, of A's. The prestige uh, might not the prestige might not be there, but the quality of competition, I would say, is well, and that's why you look at someone like like Corey's career and you say you won a lot of P 
PBT tour events, right? Well, back in those days, those were those were world championships. I mean, as far as caliber of the field goals, that's when America's Americans still dominated pool in all those fields. Every one of those. That's how Kim Davenport got in. Uh, to me, he was a you know won a lot of tournaments and was a great player in an era where every field had Siegel and Varner and Hall and Rempe and Mizrak and Reyes, and you know it, you're talking about every field had 12 Hall of Famers in it. You know, so if you won a number of those events, that was that's pretty strong. So it's it's kind of um, you know you have to it's like all sports you have to look at different eras with with a different eyeglass and and kind of weigh them out and see how they fit into your you know your structure. Everybody votes differently, right? Everybody does. And that's the in point, every right? sport. In every sport. Yeah. Well, but at the so, end of the day, it's more of a numbers game, right? You at the end of the day, like it's easy to reflect, but when we're voting, we're looking at stats, right? We're looking. You at you are, but but stats, but they're they're not straight up stats. They're not five hundred home runs and right. three thousand strikeouts and three hundred wins and whatever. They're they're not these like bars that that appear to get you what you need to be. Or in golf, it's automatic. You you win a certain number of titles and you're in the Hall of Fame, right? So other sports like this, it's it's a little bit different. And because the games are different and the errors are different it's, and the, the competition test. is different, it's a little bit it's a little bit trickier to try to uh to try to figure out how you're gonna measure these against each other. Yeah. Um so I, I think um I, I guess are you finished that's kind of how you yeah. wrap it up. Okay. In a nutshell. A really yeah. big nutshell, but it's a nutshell. So uh we hinted uh we hinted that there was nine uh, players on the ballot. Um, yeah. I think, a, I don't know, I guess, should we just go around and say who we voted for? And then we'll kind of go through each player individually and uh, give our reasoning for why, yay or nay, they got a vote? If you're comfortable with that, I mean, you know, if, if you're not, then bail. It's, I mean, Mike, I certainly understand Malina. that no one's, no one's got a gun to their heads. Yeah, you voted Peace. for two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Peace out. With great power comes great responsibility, right? I've never been afraid to share an opinion, so I'm not yeah. going to start now. Okay. I'm not going to start now. Uh, well, I voted for exactly one person. It was Niels. Uh, I will go through who, uh, well, the reasoning for that. Melina, Mike, what you got? Who'd you vote for? I voted for Niels. I voted for Corey, and I voted for uh, Jeremy Jones were my three votes. Okay. And um, yeah, go ahead, Mike. No, no, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, just Niels. Just voted for Niels? Yep. Okay. So uh, you want to just, just take it straight down the list of uh, the players? Um, you know, I don't I don't know that I, you know, I want to say why I didn't vote for somebody. <laughs> you know, I mean, I talked about Corey because oh, he's okay. he's he's a pretty hot topic, a pretty, you know, uh, uh, you know, topical discussion for this. There's, you know, there's a lot of players on the list. Well, I mean, let's run know, down Corey's resume then as, as sure. you say that. Okay, so let's let's go down, Corey. I'll, I'll read it out. So uh, just straight down the list that we have here. Uh, 10-time Moscone Cup, USA member, 2001 Sands Regency 9-Ball Open, BCA 9-Ball Open, 2001, uh, 2001 All-Japan Men's 9-Ball Championship, 2001 Sudden Death 7-Ball, 2001 U.S. 9-Ball Open Champion, uh, 2003 Atlanta Open, 2004 Sudden Death 7-Ball, 2005 UPA Tour Championship, Pro Tour Championships, uh, Super Billiards Expo, Million Dollar Shootout, Turning Stone Classic, U.S. National Snooker Championship, Derby City One Pocket, Derby City Banks. Those are his major accomplishments listed on the 
uh, ballot that we all got. So, so you so, look at those and you say, okay, how do I stack those up? Okay. Well, let, let's see, start with let's start with Melina Mike because he actually voted for him. So, Melina Mike, why don't you give us why don't you give us your uh, your yes reasoning? Uh, you know, I'll be honest. There's a lot of those tournaments where I, I I don't know the strength of the field, right? They just wasn't, you know, that that's just me being honest about it. But, yeah. um, you know, I look at some of the things that I remember from Corey, along with you know some of those titles that I do recognize on there, and that for me was was enough. You know, I feel like on top of that, and it may not be like you know, written in stone criteria, but Corey changed the game, you know, and, and, in a lot of different ways. And, um, so I, for me, that's those things kind of paired together were, you know, enough for me to say, I was surprised to even see his name on there in the sense that he's not already in the hall of fame, you know? So, um, and then you read down that list, it's kind of, and there's a lot of arguments to be made there on, on, you know, him, him being allowed in that, in that select group. So. Sure. Mike. Pinozo. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good list. You know, the, the things that stand out to me are us open yep. all Japan, which is a great tournament. It's not great. Not tournament. A, it's a great it's a tournament for, yeah. for the Asian players for sure. Um, and uh, the BCA open. So those to me are, those were legit, you know, a category, but they weren't, I mean, the U.S. Open is is his biggest by far. Yeah. Uh, the other two are kind of like you know that. If 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 my A list has a lower level, those are kind of on that. A minus. Uh, <laughs> so, but you know, so really strong and really close, and then a ton of that B stuff. I mean, sudden's that seven ball, little invitational thing, made for TV is. things, things like that. It was an ESPN uh, those gimmicky thing. It's like yeah. Was- and, and, it, was, it was a way to speed up the game, basically, and make it more tolerable to ESPN. So, and some of them were big money and had good players in them. But I, you know, I like I'm a I'm a stickler for big open fields where you got to go through 10, 12 rounds. So you know, I don't want five wins races to seven gets you a World Pool Masters title, and you're going to tell me it's a major. Oh, like, wow! Wow! So wow. no, it's it just know, we know Mike's not getting in no matchroom. <laughs> so I mean that's just the way I, that's the way I look at things in terms of analyzing uh, career. How how many players have been in the Moscone Cup more than than Corey Duell? Rodney Morris, yeah. Shane Van Boning, uh, yeah, Johnny if, Archer. If you're going to list it, then you got to give it some kind of weight and credibility. I do right? give it weight. Yeah. It's 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 yeah. in that number two silo there because listen, in a lot of those years, in the early years. It wasn't there wasn't any points list to get into the, to get into that Moscone Cup. It was uh, you know, it was who do we want on our team? Who's good television? Who's who's popular? Yeah. Who's whatever? It, I mean, it, you know, let's it, let's, let's be serious. I mean, and not that Corey didn't deserve to be on a lot of those teams, but um, but that's the way it went then. So um, I'm just saying, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna list that, then you know, give it the proper respect and weight that I feel like that deserves for better or worse. You know, well, I, if you don't mind me jumping in here too, um, certainly early on in Corey's career, uh, they had success. But I mean, it, do you give him an automatic bid? So let, let me ask you this, Melina Mike: If if, if Corey Duell made the the U.S. Moscone Cup team ten times, but he won once, is that a posit- a net positive or a net negative for you? Well, when you say it like that, I mean, 
you know. Well, I mean, that proves that it's a team game. One, you can't hang that on no matter what. And two, if you went by wins and losses, Neil's been in 14 stole, Moscone Cups. Stole, he got uh, his brains beat in for the first eight. I mean, he was <laughs> so, still there 10 times, though. 10 times. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I understand Well, does that, that say something about his career? Does that say about who else it he says that, during that time? It, to me, it says that for, the, for 10 years, he was one of the top five players in the U.S., okay? I've never said for a Corey, decade for, a, for ten I, years a top five. Right. That is get you Hall of Fame. I've never said that Corey Duell isn't a great player. I'm just saying that that to me on those teams he was, and most of those teams he was number well, five. You know who's been on a bunch of teams as the number five player? Nick Vandenberg. You can talk about him for the Hall of Fame because he's been in a bunch of Moscone Cups. How many, so, are How many are we talking about? How many are we talking about? How many Moscone uh, Cups are we talking about? Probably seven, I would think. Well, I mean. I just Nick I think listen, we, we talk about numbers right in other sports right that could be a number ten time a ten time Moscone Cup player I'm not you know I I don't put the value on Moscone Cup that everybody else puts the value on because it's not it's not a global event it's 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 hand picked what do everybody it what was, does everybody want to be on Mike what is that what do all American and European players strive to be on it makes the Moscone Cup the best event in pool no doubt about it. Doesn't doesn't make you a Hall of Famer, to me. I mean, again, it's just it, oh, well. this, this is what's great about arguments about Hall of Fames and players and careers and who's better than right. who. This is everybody's got their different. They wear different glasses looking at it. Don't kick me um, out, Mike. I barely got in the door. <laughs> I never kick you out. <laughs> well, you kick me out before they kick yeah. you out. Well, uh, I, I think I think it's an interesting conversation, but you have to assume. So I mean, we'll get to this. I'm sure we'll talk about Jeremy Jones and uh, I. I I love Jeremy Jones, but it, it, as his playing career, is he worthy? I don't think that his, his playing career, strictly as a playing career, is worthy. So if you want to like put him in for everything, well, then you have to start looking at all that he does individually. And uh, being a being a Moscone Cup captain, you could you could make a very serious argument that that should count towards his resume. But that doesn't guarantee that it counts towards his resume in a positive way. I mean, if you look at Jeremy Jones, some of the decisions that he's made in the last three years, I mean. I don't know that you could say that they've been exactly positive. So, I mean, throwing Earl out there as many times as he did on day three, that was a blunder. I mean, I, I think that that was a big reason why it cost us. Yeah, but you think Earl being out there in the first place was was something that he w was all in on? The, the Bucks got to stop somewhere, right? <laughs> I mean, But you can, and, only, you can only play the hand you're dealt. Well, and, or... And, or and, and, or you and can say, all right, well, if you're going to pick my team, then it's not my team. And I'll let you pick somebody who's, you know, I'll let you, I'll let you allow somebody for, I'll Listen, let you allow somebody else to run this. If it's going to be your team. I mean, if, if Bell, if, if uh, Bill Belichick's a bad example, cause he's a GM too. Um, if Sean Payton is out there and somebody gives him a quarterback and I mean, that's the quarterback that he has to go out there and run. I mean, he can, uh, he can resign as coach if he wants, if he doesn't like who he's getting, but the general manager decides who sometimes who's going to be out there, but. If you're gonna if you're gonna look at Corey Duels being on there ten times, you gotta look at the positives Mike, and negatives to find out whether it's Mike's it, head's about it's, to it's explode over there. Mike looks like he's just ready to go off. <laughs> no, yeah. well, I'm just wondering whether Nate's saying that that Jeremy had no choice in taking Earl Strickland. Where did I don't know. That? I don't know. No, well, that's what I, he, that was all his. That's what that was all. That was, that was all his well, decision. That's what I thought. I'm, 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 not, I'm, wasn't. I'm not. I'm not a buyer on that. I don't think it was I, all. It was his. all I don't, his. I don't say all his. I'm not the one who said that. Yeah, Mike was one. I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think it but was I, all his. But but regardless, but, but so, he was one so, of the Jeremy shows Jones. I think, the, I think Jeremy oh. Jones gets gets definitely is 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 worthy of consideration in years coming up as a meritorious service. If you look at you know all the things he's done in the in the and sport that's a different to help to help to promote the sport, to help to draw viewers, to help to engage fans, things like that. That's 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 a that's a he's you know, that that's a conversation worth having. But as a greatest player category. Um, aside from USO, you know, two, you know, pretty significant wins. Um, there's not a lot there. So, uh, so I, to me, no, as a greatest player, you know, you wouldn't. And I, what people also need to understand is that they're not nominated for the Hall of Fame. There's, there's a certain criteria, criteria where if you meet it, you get you're in, the you're list, in the boat, right? If you're over 40, you played for more than 10 years and have won the, 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 the current, you know, rules say if you won a, um, a significant international title as recognized by the BCA, you know, you're, you know, you're eligible. So, um, you know, that's something that, that we as a group media group have started talking about Do we need to tighten that up and make it a little bit, you know, more stringent to get under. Should it be multiple, you know, significant titles? Should it be, um, you know, if you don't get a more than 2% of the votes over five years, should you be dropped from the ballot? You know, things like that. So there's, there are different ways you make the ballot a little bit tighter. Uh, but, you know, tight or not, if, if, if someone doesn't have the credentials, they can be on the ballot for a long time and they're just not going to get in because they're not going to get the support from voters. But I guess my, my ultimate point with that is if you're going to look at if you're going to look at Corey Duell's contributions to the Moscone Cup, you have to look at the good and the bad. And he's been on the the, the rough side of a lot of those uh, Moscone Cups. And he's, yeah. you know, was it always his fault? Of course not. But it's, it's a team event. And well, especially uh, as of late. I mean, I can't argue that, you know, Corey's yeah. had some rough. Well, and as of late, yes. And, and, and but again, like I said, with someone like Niels and Ralph's OK and guys like they were on a ton of Moscone Cup years. In those Moscone Cups, in the years that the USA was still drilling them every year, so should that have been counted against their career? No, they're both Hall of Famers, flat out. Yeah, no. See, I wouldn't wait it like that. You know, it's just that being there. If you're looking for you something know? tip scales, you know, if it's really, really close, and you're looking for something to tip scales. Yeah, then I look at that that That's... that silo of events too, and just say, okay, how you know, is this more impressive than most players? Um, and that might help tip the scales for sure. And that's that's where I absolutely agree. Uh, so I, my criteria in the beginning was I want to see three major titles. And I look at Corey's, um, and I see one for sure, uh, which is the U.S. Open. Uh, the BCA is, you know, uh, you said it was a kind of an A- minus for you, Mike. I think it's more like a B+. Plus. Uh, it's a really, really nice win. And the, the, the All Japan is like a B-plus type of thing. So you have borderline three. But your absolute number one was the U.S. Open. And that was the soft break year. And, you know, people will say uh, he deserves it because he changed the game. Well, I could also say he doesn't deserve it because he forced the game to change, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be a positive. And in my mind, that's more of a negative. You, and, and I've seen this happen where – uh, he's if you're gonna do of- that, then you're gonna you're gonna exclude like ninety percent of players. Like, <laughs> yeah. because, sure. I mean, like who was a rack mechanic? Who who was? Keep, but there's, keep but there's it across the board. You know? I mean, there's difference. I mean, Corey took it to a, a whole other level. I mean, I I've seen him play in the Midwest uh, at a lot of tournaments. I watched him play at Be- uh, Beloit at the Cam Room for the Spring Classic, where he was 
racking up bar table eight ball. And he was literally banking the far left ball and making the rack open up one to two inches each ball, making that ball as a bank shot and then playing safety racks and just absolutely torturing his <laughs> opponents in these 20 was minute it, long games. Was it, was it and Jason Everyone. He did it to everybody. It wasn't, it wasn't one player. I mean, he was doing it to the entire tournament. He was having four hour matches regularly. Like you talk about John, he made Jonathan Hennessy look like speedy Gonzalez with some of the matches that he was playing. Cause every single game that he broke the balls on would literally be a safety break where he starts with control on the rack. I mean, he was a tournament director's nightmare for a two-year stretch until basically the tournament director said, you can play in our tournaments, but if you do this, you're out. I mean, he had to, he not only had to change the, the soft break, he had to change the way tournament directors, directors ran their tournaments because he was literally slowing down tournaments so much that it was taking two-day events and making them into like three-day events. I mean, stuff like that. I mean, there's a difference between playing in the gray area and there's a difference between just being a straight asshole to everybody in the entire field. And, you know, he's got, he's got his length of, like he, the, the tournament I'm talking about in Beloit, he lost his uh, second match, I believe, to Sky Woodward and goes on to, I think, take third place in a in a 128-person uh, field all the way through the B-side. The tournament finished on Monday night. It was supposed to finish like Sunday afternoon. I mean, that's that's the kind of things that he did to tournament directors. I mean, he'll, he'll take them and he'll, he'll be five matches behind on the B-side. I mean, mm. there's a difference between changing the rules and just like being a bit of an asshole with the rules, right? <laughs> well, he was trying to outsmart everyone. You know? And he was. He within was. The rules. But yeah. uh, within the rules, absolutely. And I, I absolutely agree that what he did was absolutely legal. There was nothing wrong with it. But that doesn't make it an automatic positive, right? And I, you don't have to look at every, everybody doesn't have to look at what he did and say, oh, this is this was awesome. He changed the game. What a what an innovator. What a what a genius. Right. You can look at it and say, like, you're kind of a dick. right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let me let me, let, let, let me message Corey and see if, and see if he's got yeah, a few minutes. Maybe, to spare. Maybe we can get him on the show. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I mean. I get the premise. I, no, for sure. I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, ask but Mika he, what he thought about it. <laughs> Ask who? Mika. <laughs> oh well, yeah, we don't yeah. want to go. We don't want to go there. And ask the tournament directors. Yeah, but you know, Corey, Corey's creativity was also a plus on other aspects yeah, of the no, game. He was, he was sure. an yeah. incredible player to watch at times, for sure. Right. I mean, he would just yeah. do stuff that would just, you're just like, whoa, it just yeah. nuts. Uh, but you know, it, there's there's a lot of that with a lot of players. But again, you know, you, you sit down and you go, okay. Um, you know, is this one of the greatest players to ever pick up a cue and go play measured against the other ones who are in there as the greatest players who ever picked up the cue and went and play. Uh, if you're sitting at the tape, same table with Moscone and Greenleaf and Siegel and Varner and Buddy Hall, you know, how do you stack up? And there's always going to be the top and the bottom of even a hall of fame list. Right. But but, you know, you, you kind of look at it that way, too, sometimes. You just think, okay, in the, in the grand scheme of the game of pool, um, you know, is this person's legacy that kind of legacy? If you just look at his resume, if you just look at his resume, it is very borderline to me. In fact, I, I might even say, I might even give him the nod. Probably, actually, ironically, with the, the Moscone Cup bids, um, I would probably give him the nod. But I, but that is giving him full weight for that t, uh, that U.S. Open, the soft break U.S. Open year, and I, 
I just, without another absolute world-class quality win, world championship, U.S. Open type of thing, I got to put a little bit of an asterisk mm -hmm. on that U.S. Open. And because of that asterisk on the U.S. Open, I, I, I just, it's just a little under for me. But I do think he's very, very close. He, he's the next person that I would probably put in uh, on that list. And, and by the way, we're just three out of like 60 people that voted. So, yeah, of course, right. You know, right. We're just the ones that are dumb enough over to, to over talk about 60 it. votes, it's going to, you know, the, the voices are going to be heard, right? So, yeah. 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 But I think it's interesting to have this conversation because, I mean. Yeah, no, absolutely. Why, why not, right? And we're just the ones that are yeah, dumb enough to say to hear you about, go right? off on Corey. Yeah. Oh, wait till <laughs> if, if, if nothing else, the, that part was well yeah. worth it. Was well oh, just, wait really? till we get, just wait till yeah. we get to John Schmidt. It'll get even better. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Well, speaking of. Uh, do we want to go JJ next or do we want to go John Schmidt next? I'm, I'm down with whatever. Well. Yeah, I think I've already, just, I've already thought, I've given my opinions on JJ. But. Um, yeah, well, I think JJ's. Yeah, I, I actually I, I echo every single thing that you said about JJ. Uh, what are um, y'all's opinion on on John Schmidt being a Hall of Famer? He's got a U.S. Open that I remember. What else? What else yeah. on that resume? Well, the big the big thing is six twenty six, right? It's the U.S. Open six twenty six. I mean, that's it. Um, I, I, he has a couple other like nice wins. Uh, nothing else. That's. I mean, there's certainly no other top tier ones. Mike. Uh, did he win the World Straight Pole Championship? No. When he won, no, it was not World, right? He won the it World was... Tournament of 14.1. Yeah, won the World Tournament of 14.1, which was... Super Brilliant so... Expo. Was yeah, no, see, game? you know, is, is it an entire career? I, you know, I, I, it's not close to me. So, well, here, I mean, well, here's U.S. A... Open's a U.S. Open. I mean, Tommy Kennedy yeah. won the U.S. Open. Gabe Owen won the U.S. Open. Um, so, I mean, here's his list, know... if, you don't, if you don't mind. This is a list that we have on here. The 2006 <laughs> U.S. Open Nine Ball Championship, 2009 Derby City One Pocket, 2009 Super Billiards Expo. 2012 Maryland 14.1 and the 2012 World Tournament of 14.1 and then 626 which so. is so I mean that's the list for his yeah. accomplishments no to me it's it's not in, in the 626 I don't even include I mean to me that would be Canada's if someone was really borderline what, it, what do you what, mean don't include it Kid, it's, not, it's not it's not it wasn't comp, it wasn't even competition it wasn't who even competition, does something guys. That two other people on Earth it's, in the it's a Guinness, it, it was a Guinness done. world. It was a Guinness World Record, and God bless him for doing it. But it's still, it's it still a fifty-long record. It then. wasn't competition. It wasn't a title. It wasn't anything. It was correct. It was, I'm going to do this until I die. Okay, that so was like the one number I, that the sport has, Mike. No, the no one doubt about number it. No doubt that about the sport has. Listen, the only when, one when he did it. The first thing I did was hunt down the, the sports editor for the New York Times and said this was like seven fourteen. This was like Babe Ruth's oh, home run record. Okay, that's exactly as far it, as right? pool goes. And and that was the and it deserved all the press it got and he deserved all the accolades he got. To me, that doesn't get you in the Hall of Fame. It's, it's no, but it's, it's, not, it's part it, of the resume, right? It, it, it's, part it's part of the resume. Sure, it's part of the resume. And if it was really close and and my finger was on the no, scale, that might that's that in, might that's do it. But I'm not even own. in the I'm not even in the in the in the zip code. I would put that even above a. For me personally, I put it above a a, a category A tournament because it is the closest thing that we have to to seven fourteen. It's the closest thing that we have to. <laughs> Uh, you know, 62, right? The 62 is like the home runs for the Yankees. Well, now, um, but yeah, 61. How the hell do you not give that any kind of weight? That's an but, automatic stamp them in, ship it, you know? But with that being said, because I'll just a different way of looking at the Hall of Fame. I guess I could, well, 
I could I could go off here. Uh, Mike, have you seen that video from start to finish? Me? Yes. Molina Mike. Yeah, Molina oh. Mike. Oh, no, I have I haven't. No. no. Have you I seen haven't. any part of it? More than two uh, minutes. Um, I can't recall off the top of my head, to be honest. Okay. Uh, we'll ask a we'll ask a neutral person here. Uh, Pinozo, do you think that you <laughs> could? Do you think that? Okay, so you. John's going to go fucking it. off every, when, when he sees this. I guarantee it. <laughs> I don't care. Guarantee. I, I, honestly, I don't care. Um, yeah. Do you think that there are ten people in the world that follow the the, the sport of pool more than Molina, Mike, and I? Yeah, I think yeah probably, but, but yeah, I get your point. Go ahead. <laughs> to find 10 people that, that follow. Yeah, no, you guys, you guys are dialed in 100%. We, we follow pretty closely. Yeah. To have two, let, let's just say two of the top 20 people in the world that follow the sport closer than anybody else. And we, I've never had an opportunity to see it. Uh, and I know that he said, all you got to do is just come to one of the showings. Well, the last showing that I saw was in like 2020. And he basically goes around, grills up some steaks. Uh, does a private showing, makes some jokes, shows the video, yeah, and steaks. has a good time. Well, I for sure would have gone then. I would have known that. I mean, I, 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 right sign now. me up, son. No I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see that on the flyer. There's, there's, uh, I, I mean, if, Look, if we you're going had to have Shane on earlier talk about the financials and the tough part of the game and all this. I'm not going to blame John for being a little nitty when it comes to yeah, trying to protect I, what was I'm his. I'm not going to hate. I'm not going to hate on on. on I think that. it backfired on him, but I'm not. going to A hundred percent, it backfired. Um, well, and, and and John knows as much because I've had conversations with him off camera where you know John John will will ad, ad, admit that you know, but um, like either way, that what he did put pool on the map for however much of a small blip it may be in the grand scheme of things. You it know, was huge. John made straight pool relevant again. John put pool back on the mainstream map again. John, what, what John did was remarkable and, and completely unique. And for that alone, I, I, I'd give John, I, I, but to be fair, I didn't vote for him, but I should have in hindsight. That's what I would say. So I would say, I would say that he took an opportunity to do exactly what you just said and squandered it by taking his ball and going home and trying to profit off of it. Uh, and he, I don't think that, like Mike, you said the, it was, what, what was your words um, with Jason breaking it? You said it was, it was, it was a blow up in hindsight or something like that. No, no. I said his, is treating it as, as keeping it to himself was in hindsight. Probably he regrets that, right? It was it blew sure. up in his face. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, but I'm not discounting, I'm not. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have done that. I mean, I don't blame him for trying to profit off it at all. I don't either. I think. But it, I, it, I, it, I do. I do. Wrong, but that's, I do blame him for it if he's going to do what he did and not give people an opportunity to see it. I mean, if you're going to do that, you got to go. Out, you've got to go out and you got to give people the opportunity. I bet he did less than 15 showings. Well, and but, each but showing had maybe we're 20, off, 30, we're getting 40 off people. Topic. We're getting off topic here because it's well, this still is, this whether, whether he whether he sold it for oh. six zillion dollars or didn't sell it for a dime doesn't change whether or not one of us thinks that um you know that this is that this is a hall of fame performance and one of us thinks that it's not. That's well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't care whether he made any money off it or not, yeah. and whether he went around the wrong way. It's do he I may be think, a bonehead for that I decision, th but do I think yeah. that, that accomplishment well, is I'm, a something that I'm, I'm putting not, on my list of competitive things to determine whether a guy gets in the Hall of Fame. But I already said I think it's I think it's even better than an A 
a quality. I think that is I think that is a more impressive achievement than uh, let's say a, t- a, a tier A. I think it's more impressive than a U.S. Then I would then I would but, put him in for meritorious service. Potentially, but what I what I'm saying is while the accompli- while the accomplishment is absolutely there and it's absolutely worthy, the way that you handled it has to, I'm taking that into account as well. And if you're going to, if you're going to do something incredible, yeah, but you're going to tell but you're going to tell every single person that they can't watch it unless you give them uh, eighty dollars and sit down for six hours with him uh, to do it, and then you don't give people that opportunity, I can't use that as a positive for you. Do you so accept I'm, Jason's? Do you accept Jason's high run? What do you mean by accept? Do you do, do you give it credence, credibility? Is it real? Absolutely. Okay. So then John Schmidt should be in for this when someone put his mind to it and broke it a year later. Uh, but I but the accomplishment is not what I'm talking about. The way that he handled the accomplishment is what I have a problem with. Well, yeah, if, but now Mike's not. But now, but now Mike is watering down the accomplishment. Was what he's saying though? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't change the fact that it was it was in it was in place for sixty years or whatever it was. I mean, the accomplishment because is the no accomplishment. one spent three months, eight hours a day trying to beat it. That's why it lasted fifty years. Straight pool tournaments went away, sure. and nobody d- devoted their life to trying to break the record. That's sure. why. That's why. That's why I say this isn't competition. Who did he beat? Who was the loser in that match? Who was? It just. I, I don't. I don't get how this gets viewed as a competitive match in your belt. I just don't get it. I think even guys like still the accomplishment. No, because you'll still see guys that'll say that what what they did was was remarkable. Great players will still give them credit and respect because how difficult it is to have I, everything come together and then still be able to execute. It. Did a whole feature story on how amazing the accomplishment uh, the accomplishment was and how much I um, admired his dedication to doing that. Because I did. I, I thought that, you know, he was so focused on doing this because it meant so much to him. And he was a historian. I loved everything about it. But that's that's a completely different story. Okay. So if, if let's say as, if let's say you knew Jason trained for 10 hours a day for you know 60 days leading up to let's say the world championship, but still came up short, well, everybody else has won a world championship. I mean, how, how is it that you can say because he finally put his mind to something that now it and, and accomplished it that it doesn't mean anything for John? Well, I, no, you're, you're talking about two different things. If you're talking about Jason playing in the world championship, you're talking about an open competition that that I value the results of. Okay, this wasn't an open competition. This was me in a closed room with a table and no competition, and I I did this amazing feat. But but don't stack that up against. Shane winning five U.S. Opens or Mike Siegel winning four World Straight Pole Champs or something like that. Don't tell me that they're in the same discussion. I don't. I, I don't. I don't understand how that. How that. Well, Shane's not in the Hall of Fame yet, Mike. So relax on the Shane argument. <laughs> now, all right, you got another year before you can get. We'll that, have you on right? next year. You can yeah, tell us yeah, how. Then, why you, then I'll say you're right. Mike, then you can I gotta, say why I got to gear up, voiding out that argument for right now. Okay, <laughs> we don't got to hear that. But you, yes, you will be right in the year. <laughs> so yeah it's, it's just me, I think it's apples, I think it's it's an apples and feed. oranges it's apples well, and oranges and you're putting all the fruit in the same basket I'm not I'm saying that it's different than what those I'm, I'm di- I think it's different than a, a tournament one but I still think it's it, it, it incredibly uh impressive and I think yeah. that it deserves an absolute nod when it comes to his playing career but that is only if I mean it's like it's like if Steph Curry hits 
uh, 43s in the next game, but they don't televise it. And then that the, the record of all that stuff happening just goes away, and you can never actually see it. You just have to take their yeah, word. Ain't nobody it. seen it. What is it? Wilt's 100-point game? Right. Is there? Well, that that's because that's because TV didn't exist in the 1960s, right? It doesn't. Well, uh, I watched TV in the 1960s, dude. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Mike is getting real offended over here right now. Right? Is, is is there actually a video? Is there actually like a like a video of that? Okay, no. no, there was no, there was no, there, there was okay. no, there was yeah. no footage of that. But anyways, sure. all right, yeah, let's I, move on. I, we can yeah, let's move on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess that's 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 kind of the list of the the in my mind the questionable people, uh, or the, at least the close people. Um, was there anybody else that uh, either of you looked at that uh, you could have potentially given a nod to, but they just came up a little shorter? Yeah, Vivian. I, you want, maybe that's Vivian's, You know, yeah, she's she's definitely worth discussion. Um, has been. Uh, you know, I've, I've looked at her stuff again over and over every year. I was year being, because I was one being year, sarcastic. No, no, one year. Well, I, well, you know, she's got some pretty good, really good resume. I, you know, I mean, she's, she's persona of, non grata right Lee. now. Short of uh, Jeanette Lee, she may be the greatest woman's pool player ever. Who? Vivian. Hmm? Next to Jeanette Lee. I said, I said behind, besides Jeanette Lee. <laughs> Is the greatest pool player ever, woman. U.S. women play. Oh, U.S. women. Not Jean Blucas. Um, well, hands down. Probably. Okay, so Jean. So Dorothy Jean. Wise, right up there. This should have just been a show of just Mike telling us why. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can you can well, make no, an argument. I mean, I love. I you love can make an you argument. Throwing stuff like at it. me and making me think of this stuff because I, I mean, I, I, yeah. I take it seriously and I and I can have my mind changed, but I don't think Jean was before my time, so I. I <laughs> No, there's a pretty real argument that you could say that Vivian Villarreal is one of the greatest women players in U.S. history. Well, women U.S. players. I'd never vote for her, ever. Yeah, she, well, uh, Robin yeah, Bell, Lori John. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, yeah, she's not, is she in the top five? No. Yeah. So she in the top I, five, I, no. I, like, I like how he says that and he goes, <laughs> no, I'm just I'm trying to think of someone I missed. I mean, you got your Lori John, your Ava, your I mean, well, not Ava, but Lori John, Robin Bell, you know, Gene Belucas, Dorothy Wise, um, you know, yeah, it's Jeanette. So yeah, I, I'm thinking not top five. Okay, she was, but, uh, you know, she was, she was, player. she was a great, great player, player during that yeah. during that era right. when when it was all the top. I mean, you talk about the the heyday of the men's, the heyday of the women's. I mean, she was right in the heart of that with, with Jeanette and Lori John and Robin and Ava and Allison dropping in and all that stuff. She was in the heart of that and she held her, 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 you know, herself up pretty well. I just don't think when I look at her resume that it's, that it's again, this, she's the, to me the perfect example on the women's side of a great player that to me personally, to me, isn't, isn't hall of fame. Are we giving any weight to one pocket players, by the way, at all? Uh, not, you know, that's it's a really good question because Shannon Dalton's been on the list for a number of years, and Shannon won a couple of nine ball tournaments as well, decent size, and played in some Moscone Cups, uh, representing the U.S. Um, you know, but the majority of his prowess is as a one pocket player, and um, 
I just don't think that people who vote have enough history with one packet or knowledge one packet or the one but is packet. that fair because if you're going to give well, weight to other other things like straight pool well there's not a lot of people get a lot of weight straight pool. pool anymore i would you think know? about pool like, was pool in the 60s and i'm 70s just thinking about tony you know tony's now a derby city one pocket champion two times buffalo champion which could argue which you could argue is probably the one pocket world <laughs> championship you know right you know won a lot of other big one pocket titles you know, I think Tony's now yeah, about 40. I, I think that the knock on a lot of the one pack, especially the older one packet players, is that it was a very small club. They were great, the greatest one packet players, but they would have a tournament and Grady would have a tournament or one thing or another, and there'd be 16 players. Okay, 16 really great one packet players, but it's a 16 player tournament. The rest of the best cueists in the world, who were Americans at the time, didn't play. So to me, well, that it's not kind the of ball hall of fame either, Mike. I mean, no, it's not, but it's, it's become a little more lean toward it. It used to be the straight ball hall of fame. Now it's more of a nine, but, but you, you're going where, where all the biggest, best competition is right. And it wasn't in one packet tournaments. So I think that that's the way a lot of people look at it as, um, you know, and it, the, there's a one packet hall of fame. God bless you. Get in there. Like right now you deserve it. Uh, BCA hall of fame, greatest pool packet, billiard players of all time Th that that to me is is a categorically different yeah i, I agree with mike i think if, if, if you're going to be in one of these um <laughs> well no you're not well, going to convince this guy right here well you're not no, going to convince I, it's I, never think, gonna happen. I, I think that if you're going to be if you're going to be in that category if you're going to make it for whatever kind of niche game and, and that's what one pocket is it's kind of a niche a pool game if you're going to be in the hall of fame based off of your performance in that niche if it's basically only that, you better dominate your competition like nobody's ever dominated that niche before. John Brumback would be a lot closer to a Hall of Famer for me than Tony Choyan. Tony Choyan, nobody's ever even looked at Tony Choyan and said he's anywhere close to being the best one-pocket player in the world it, during his entire career, ever. That, that's never happened. I mean, John Brumback was considered the best banker of the balls for 10, 15, 20 years, and he still might be today if it wasn't for Billy, right? John Brumbach dominated his niche more so than Tony's ever dominated his. And this this paints – I love Tony. I think Tony's a, a phenomenal player. I wish he played more nine balls. I think he'd get more nods uh, for this discussion if he did in my book. But you got to just dominate your little niche to a, to a degree. Tony went on some runs winning tournaments in the last few years, you know, and played everybody and anyone and just tournaments by himself. You know, Tony's been doing really well. I mean, has done well. Sure. Yeah. But he's not yeah. – but but, but – but he's you you would you would agree with this he's never been the best one pocket player in the world ever for a second yeah but okay he might not he might not have been top five because you're not you're never going to take him before dennis you're never going to take him before alex i don't know that you could take him over shane i just think i just mean in, in the grand scheme if you're going to include other games yeah. then have it be across the board I you, know? I you know I agree to a certain extent, and I think that maybe one day one packet gets there. To now, to me, to me, it's still a, a niche game, and and the difference to me is that you know you look at these uh, the guy, other guys who are in the Hall of Fame, Niels uh, or, or Ralph, uh, players like that, they won World Eight Ball title, won World Nine Ball right. title, World okay, but those fields were. The big, it, those were the same big international best players in the world. For right, and I guess that's where it's different okay? because you so, have great rotation players that play right. this that game well. So I, I understand that. So, side so, of so you know, but it's just a broader, you know, those are 
broader yeah. tournaments, broader fields, uh, the best players around the world all playing the same game. If one pocket gets to that point, then then yeah, then I, I think yeah, absolutely because it's not exclusive to rotation. You know, we've had 14-1, you know, players who've you know won world eight ball titles, things like that. So it's not a rotation hall of fame. Don't get that misconception. Well, I'm just it's, saying, just don't get, don't, don't put your nose at the ear at one pocket. Is all I'm saying. All right. I yeah. would never do. I would never do that. But there's a one pocket Hall of Fame, and at this point, in and time, you know why they did that? Probably because y'all had your nose in the air about one pocket. Okay? <laughs> it's not a nose in the air. It's it's strictly a, a matter of size and scope. You know, well, and so we're it's, gonna it's, we're gonna have some fun with these conversations throughout the year, and <laughs> and come come voting time. I feel like because this is all new to me, and I like stirring things, stirring shit up. So we're gonna we're gonna have a good time with it. Yeah, yeah we, yeah. Will. we will. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I, I will I will backtrack a little bit. I think Tony might be Tony is definitely a top three one pocket tournament player, but as far as like just on the table, like you're never gonna take him in a gambling match over Alex or over Dennis or over Shane. Still, still top three on Earth on Earth for a long period of time. Not you're talking about top three in the world for an ex- extended period of time. Nobody wanna f with him. All playing one pocket, and, and I'm talking talk about you can you can list world champion after world champion after world champion that would want no part of messing with that guy, and it's for a long period of time. Who's that? Sure, Tony. Oh, yeah, he's borderline top three. I, I'm not giving you top three. I'm giving you borderline top three because he was never Tony's, Alex. He was never Alex. He was Tony's never for Dennis. sure top three. Tell him Tony's top three, baby. <laughs> huh? Tony's she's, sure top she's not yeah. buying your action buddy. Yeah. No, yeah. right now or he's talking about historically no I'm just saying Tony was oh right now I, I don't know I, I have to think about it we have to redo the list but um, Tony is for Tony was for sure a top three you can't have Dennis in the top three because Dennis ain't played one pocket in four years okay so that you can't have I don't want to hear that conversation at all but yeah, Tony was at a minimum, top three for well over ten years. Well, if you if you remove if you remove Alex playing Tony, when has Alex played in the last five years? Nobody will play him, right? Who who's yeah. going to play Dennis besides Alex? No one will play him, so you, you can't use that as nobody would Alex. play Dennis. Dennis got to the point where no one would well, play him. We're talking about who's going to play who. You know, it's it, the Hall of Fame is about competitors. Winning yep. tournaments, winning titles. I don't care who matched up against who. No one wanted a part of Tony. That that doesn't get you in a Hall of Fame. Uh, nobody ever beat this guy gambling. I don't care about that. You know that, that those are not things to me. You know then then let's yeah, go. Yeah, but to now the Tony's go. got Tony's got titles now. You know, you right. just you just, you just, I, just somebody, I just you I just, just read off somebody's bank pool derby uh, thing. So you ought to have Tony's one pocket titles on on his on his resume. Don't sure. Care. You know? I, I I honestly do agree with Mike. I think that Tony should get a nod. I think he should be on the ballot. But I also think that John Brumbeck should be on it, uh, just for the way that because yeah. I I believe that John Brumbeck dom, dominated bank pool over the years like no player has dominated title. anything. Give me his huh? list of bank pool titles from twenty years ago. Look, let us let us do some research, Mike. <laughs> every 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 barely get in, barely get in the club. We're just we're, we're talking we're, about we're, twelve we're, people from Ohio and and Indiana and Kentucky sure. playing one pocket. That, I'm not saying I'm letting him in, but I think not, you, you can't put that in the same in in on the same list with the other events that you're trying to measure. Again. I, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm I, when we include people's I, when we include on people's resume that they won Derby City one pocket, it's just because 
Derby cities included. And so you talk about See, something type. like, but I don't put a lot of, were, I don't put a lot of weight in those anyway. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Difference. But I think if, I somebody think if you're going to get Derby city, niche, that would be something that's just instant for me. In yeah. Done deal. Like what Federer almost did. My, my point, my, my point only Mike <laughs> is that if you're going to be, if you're going to get, some you're nods for, me, yeah, right. yeah, instantly, Mike. Instant, <laughs> instant Hall of Fame. You know? yeah, if you're going to get a nod for the best amongst the best, Mike, the best amongst the best. We're, we're Mike, tell me, your, we're revoking and your just to be three thirty. No, I know it, I know it, but just to be clear, Mike doesn't have Fran in the Hall of Fame yet. So yeah, just, just, exactly. just for full, just for full disclosure, Mike has not, Mike does not have FSR in the Hall of Fame yet. So. Just so that way the which viewers know. Is, yeah. Which, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before. I think that that is absolutely nuts. If he retired tomorrow, he would be a Hall of Famer. No doubt in my mind. Serenity We're going to make Mike's head explode. All right. Serenity this has been a good show, now. boys. Serenity now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think I, I think this is a pretty good first uh, – yeah. I need to do some homework because Mike comes. Mike knows too much shit, and I don't know enough shit to really like <laughs> back, you know, to really stand up to him like I want yeah. to. So, man, need to do a little bit more. Next time we do this, Mike should be sitting there with a pile of paper on his desk. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be ready. ready. Premier okay, League pool, yeah. Premier League pool, World Nine Ball Champion, Billiard Digest Player of the Year, uh, five-time Euro Tour Open, World Eight Ball Champion, U.S. Open Champion. PRP nine ball open in the modern area where it's so tough. Derby city, Derby city, nine ball champion. And you don't have, I mean, that's, that's, that's five number. That's five, a category wins. And you don't have that as a hall of fame. I haven't said that. I said right now. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Don't back. Don't yet. Don't yet. Don't, don't, don't don't hit the reverse button now. Let me get, let me cue up the videotape because Mike clearly said, Mike Mike has said definitively. Put someone in a Hall of Fame based on one year, period. I don't care what kind of year it was. I would not put someone in a Hall of Fame based on one year. He almost swept. He almost swept the world championships that yeah, year. No, that, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, if he'd have won the third world championship, yeah, you know, I might have been convinced. But, um, <laughs> but he only finished. That would have been the one. That would have been the one to tip the scales, right? That would have been the one to tip the scales. It's just, right? it just fundamentally, I have a problem with a one-year career. I, and, I, and, I, that, I, and, that, and, and I could, you know, next time we talk, I will have a list of baseball, football, and basketball players who had otherworldly single years and were never heard from again and tell me whether yeah but this is different this is different you can only do so much in a team of that right i mean okay find find me a tennis player find me a tennis player who won five i mean you there aren't five grand slam in one year and then never won another event yeah okay if you if you could win four events and you're not a hall of famer i i will bow down to you but he's he's a four-time fun he's a three-time world champion (laughs) he's a three-time world champion and he's won, uh, and he's won a U.S. Open, and he's been the Billiard Digest Player of the Year, and he's won a Premier League pool and a Nine Ball Open, change and the game. a Derby City Nine change Ball. Change the game. Change the game again? How many people changed the freaking game in this? A sport? lot, a lot. It, it, it's, it's happening. Mike. It's happening. It's called evolution, Mike. All right. Okay. What do you guys think out there in the comments? Do you think? I do. Uh, well, I do like that Ed noticed that my that my little like substitute light over here went dark so it's like yeah they're throwing shade on me is what's happening (laughs) let's hear it out in the comments do you think fsr is a is a a hall of famer right now let's hear it from let's hear it from the people 
I'll pose the question of when well, goes over. Well, thankfully, they all went to we'll sleep see. in the last hour and 15 minutes, so we're not going to get a lot of response. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway. I don't know. Are we good then? Oh, should we, yeah, talk, should we talk a little bit about next year, or do we do we not want to no. take that? No, next we'll, year's done. We'll do it. We'll do next it in the show. show. Yeah. Carlo Beato, Guy Young Kim, sorry, you're going to have to wait. Yeah. Sounds like. Nothing wrong with that. Mike's such a homer, man. I swear. Wait till I get. Let me get. Let me get some Filipino voters on this on this team, and uh, and what we'll to pump up these numbers. That's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All good right, stuff, though, guys. Thanks for uh, entertaining yeah. me. It was. Uh, yeah. It was. It was yeah, a lot of fun. It was fun. All right. Bye. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll uh, we'll catch you next week. See ya. <laughs>